Hello, I'm Mark, and this is the Fast Track Impact podcast, where we look at how researchers can become more productive and use their work to achieve real-world impacts. In today's podcast, I'm going to take you behind the scenes of my new book, which, excitingly, is released this Thursday. I'm going to explain why I'm so excited, but I'm also going to explain why I'm so nervous about it. And uh, I'm going to finish by telling you how you can write a book in a week. Well, sort of. But before I get into that, I'd like to give you my research impact tip of the week. Today's tip is that if you want your research to be understood by everyone, then see if you can communicate your ideas in only the 1,000 most used words in the English language. Now, this might sound easy, but it is actually a phenomenal challenge, and I'm going to challenge you all to this right now and ask you to go over to the Opgoer 5 text editor. So uh, just uh, put into uh, a search engine the phrase opgoer5, U-P, and then G-O-E-R, opgoer5, the number, uh, and you you should get hold of the the text editor and um, put an idea into the box and see what happens. So in this case, I've written that this is the Fast Track Impact podcast, and it says, "Uh uh-oh, you used non-permitted words. Impact and podcast are not in the 1,000 most used words in the English language. Uh, It's quite surprising the number of words that are not in this list. So um, I reframed this in the 1,000 most used words as I've made something you can listen to that will tell you how you can make your ideas grow legs and change the world. Yeah, a bit more wordy, but it uh, it is, in theory, easy to understand. Now, if you like this, uh, you can create um, a permanent link to it, uh, tweet it, uh, let me know how you get on with it. I'll be fascinated to hear the kind of cool things that you're doing in these words. You can also go to the Upgoer 6 text editor. Uh, again, just Google this and you should easily get hold of it. Um, and this is actually quite handy for science writing if you're trying to communicate uh, with a generalist audience because now it's actually colour coding your words in order of how uh, used they are. So in this case, it actually works out quite nicely. So the first three words, this is the, uh, are colour coded in green. So they're good. Fast track is colour coded in a kind of a brownie green. Uh, so yeah, it's still in the thousand most used words, but there, this is now getting towards the bottom of the list. And then impact is red. Uh, but it's a brownie red, so it's not in there, but it's still quite a widely used word. And podcast, yeah, it's bright red, it's shining, it's flashing, it's not a word that is used very much. And uh, you'll be quite surprised, but maybe you won't. I'm often quite surprised when I put a research concept into this editor, the things that I think are just common usage. Well, everyone knows what that is, don't they? Actually, no, they don't. And it's going to be red, and it's going to be flashing, and it will... I promise you, help you to jargon bust. So enjoy, see how you get on. So now to the main event, I'm going to give you a sneak peek behind the scenes of my new book, 
the Research Impact Handbook, which is on sale from Thursday this week. Uh, you can get it on Amazon, either as an ebook or as a paperback. And uh, for me, one of the things that is both exciting and nerve-wracking about this is that I'm taking a self-publishing route, which is not something that I've done before. And there were two main reasons that I wanted to do this. First of all, I want to be able to publish as many editions as I want uh, every year. And yeah, I am talking about producing uh, more than one edition per year because this is, for me, one of the main pathways to impact for my uh, research on knowledge exchange and impact. And I want this book to be updated as the evidence arrives so that you uh, know that you're on the cutting edge. So I can do that, uh, I can make as many editions as I want when I'm self-publishing, and you can't normally do that. Also I get to put as many photographs in as I want, and as many colour pages, so my very talented wife has taken about half of the photographs in the book, um, and I think you'll agree there are spectacular pictures in this book. Uh, so hopefully this is something beautiful that uh, people will enjoy reading and enjoy owning. Uh, of course that affects the price of the book, but it's still significantly cheaper than if I went through a traditional academic publisher. I've got another book coming out um, uh, next month uh, with Lindsay Stringer and the United Nations. And we specifically chose a publisher who said that they would uh, put it on the market at a reasonable price that people could afford, and it's double the price of this one. So. Um, a huge amount of power for me to just decide exactly how I want to do it, um, but sadly a huge amount of work and it has been quite remarkable. I now understand exactly how hard publishers work, uh, the formatting, the proofreading, um, yeah, and thank God for, for proofreaders. Uh, uh, there was uh, a part of the book which was all about public engagement, uh, but public without the L. Yeah, I'll let you think for, about that for a moment. Uh, it was a fairly catastrophic error. I'd uh, had 14 um, pre-reviewers who'd read the book and given me feedback. Uh, uh, researchers, research development uh, people, uh, PhD students, and no one had noticed this. And uh, yeah, that would have been fairly embarrassing. <laughs> Um, I think the prior reason that, that, that I'm so excited is because, uh, fundamentally, I am an idealist. I want to make the world a better place. I want to do what little I can to, to do that. And for me, this book is uh, my ideal way of achieving that goal. Now, I still do a lot of work. My main work is on agri-food systems and the natural environment. And in that work, I always try my best to make a difference. But the difference that I can make by skilling other people up across every discipline uh, is far, far greater than what I can do in, in my own disciplinary home. And the book is, of course, part of that story. But of course, the other part is the training that I do through Fast Track Impact. Uh, so participants get a free copy of the book when they come to the training, but it's that training that, uh, that I hope will really make the, the biggest difference. Now I set this up as a spin-out uh, spin company about five months ago, um, and I did that for two reasons. Uh, the first is that uh, I do have a day job, so I spend uh, around about uh, two days per month uh, doing training, uh, and I want to be able to uh, see my family, not have to travel the world the whole time, so I want to be able to franchise this and uh, have trainers who work using uh, this book and uh, this approach uh, all over the world. 
Uh, and secondly, I want to be able to actually run this as a for-profit business so that I can save up enough money to eventually one day be able to commission independent research to evaluate the impact that this book has on people's practice and the impact that they can then have, and of course my training. Um, uh, for people in the UK, we have, <coughs> pardon me, in the UK we have this uh, approximately seven or eight yearly uh, evaluation of research and impact, and my hope is that uh, there may be enough to uh, to be able to commission that research before the next one of those uh, evaluations, uh, so that we can demonstrate what an impact this has had. Uh, if if there is one, here's hoping <laughs> we shall find out. So um, so yeah, this is this is my way. This book, this podcast, uh, is how I want to tell the world about what I've learned through my own research about impact, so that I can start making a difference to researchers on a global scale, not just in the UK, so that uh, everyone out there listening to this podcast, reading this book, is empowered to really be able to make the biggest difference they can. I think the, the reason that I'm so nervous about this book is because it's a deeply personal book. Now, as an academic, uh, this is not something that people typically do. It's, it tends to be very dry, very straight-laced, and uh, quite impersonal. Uh, in this book, though, I shared quite a lot of different stories, personal stories, that illustrates the point, uh, illustrate the points in the book and help you to understand how you might then apply it and how you might avoid some of the pitfalls that I've fallen into. Um, and so some of these stories are excruciatingly embarrassing. Um, but that's not really the reason why I'm so nervous. Actually, I'm nervous about one sentence in this book. That sentence is in the conclusion, and it's probably the hardest sentence that I've ever written. It explains what drives me to do what I do for a living, what drove me to write the book, and what drives me every day to try and make the world a slightly better place. For me, this sentence breaks a lifetime of secrecy, fear, and ultimately shame. It makes no rational sense, at least to me, that a child who is sexually abused grows up to be full of fear and shame, but that was my reality for many, many years. But not anymore. And this sentence in my book is my way of trying to own and retell my story as a victor rather than a victim, as someone who is free from fear and shame and, for the first time in my life, actually pleased with who I am. But that's my story, and that's not why people are going to buy the book, but I hope that telling my story in this single sentence as part of this book will help those of you who feel inadequate, as I often do, uh, who feel ashamed or, or scared for whatever reason to believe that you really can make a difference. So I promised you I would uh, tell you how to write a book in a week, and you've been waiting very patiently for this, so, uh, so here goes. Um, uh, I think that the reason that most people who want to write a book don't write a book is that they are simply intimidated by the sheer magnitude of the task. So my secret is not to sit down and write a book, do something more manageable, but do it in a way that can enable you to build your book project by project. Now, 
When I first started uh, training with Anna Attlee, we realised that we needed a manual for people to take away from the day. So we wrote a manual. Uh, we actually booked our first training before we'd even written the manual, so we gave ourselves a nice uh, crazy deadline, but it worked. And we had a manual that we felt really pleased with. It was good enough. We got great feedback. If I look back now at that first version of, uh, of, our, uh, of our manual, I do feel quite embarrassed. There's a lot of things that I would change, well, that I have now changed. But the point is, it was good enough at the time. It was then fairly easy for me to write a list of all the bits that we wanted to add, uh, that we wanted to make better, so that every next training that we did, we had a new deadline to add one extra thing. And we kept refining a little bit here, adding a little bit there, until eventually we reached a page limit that meant that it was going to be too expensive to print the manual any bigger than it was. So at that point, I started to think about writing a book. And I started by writing blogs, but not just writing any old blogs. I had an idea of the kind of sections that I needed for the book, the kind of things that I really wanted to go deeper into. Uh, and I therefore set about writing a series of blogs that might one day uh, make it into a book. There was a plan uh, that, that, I was, that I was following. So uh, for a year, I wrote blogs. And I wrote them in crazy places, on planes, on uh, station concourses, just when I got a chance I would write it. Some of them were fairly rough, um, but hey, uh, they were good enough at the time as blogs. Then all I needed to do when I wanted to write my book was to write an introduction and a conclusion and edit and improve and extend all of the other material that I'd accumulated over the last two, two and a half years. And, hey presto, I had the first draft of my book written in a week. Now, okay, so maybe a bit false advertising here, I didn't actually just sit down and write a book in a week. Point is, uh, I had the material, and because of the approach that I'd taken, I hadn't been intimidated out of writing a book, and step by step, I got to the place where I had enough material that I could actually create a book within a week. Now, that was a rough draft, admittedly. Um, I uh, actually asked, yeah, as I said before, 14 different people to look through it, give me feedback, and I made very significant changes uh, over the course of months to that based on, uh, on their feedback. When I look back at the blogs that it was based on, they were also a bit patchy to start with, and some of them didn't even make it into the book at all. Um, some of them had to be pretty much rewritten from scratch, uh, but the point is, at each of these steps, whether they were blogs, whether it was our initial manual, whether it was that first full draft I created in that week, it was good enough to take to the next stage, until eventually now I've got to a place where I've honed it and refined it and refined it, and I now have something that I am genuinely proud of, but that hasn't meant that I've had to take a year out of my life or a sabbatical to make it happen. So, my point, write in chunks, publish as you go in any shape or form that you can find to publish and get it out there to get feedback on it. And just make sure it's good enough. At the time, it doesn't have to be perfect, but if it's good enough that someone somewhere might benefit from it, then get it out there. And with each iteration with each chunk that you take each step at a time then you can improve it get it better and your book starts to shape take shape it gets longer it gets more polished and eventually 
you're happy enough with it and it's ready. Each week I like to try and break down what we've been talking about into a concrete action. Now, uh, this week I'm not going to tell you, you'll be relieved uh, to go away and write a book in a week. But if you fancy doing that, then be my guest, that's fine, you can try. Uh, the action that I'm actually wanting to ask you to do is to have a think uh, about whether there is something that you have been procrastinating about and being perfectionist about that you just cannot finish, and to ask you to take a long, hard look at it and at yourself and try and take that hard decision to say, you know what, it's good enough. I'm going to put it out there. I'm going to go and put it for review, get feedback on it, and take the next step, whatever that next step is, rather than holding on to this until it's perfect. I think that the main reason people do this is that ultimately we're frightened of rejection, we're frightened of failure, we're frightened that if we put something out there that isn't quite perfect, that people are going to judge us for it and that it's all going to go horribly wrong. Well, you know, have a think to yourself, what is the worst that could go wrong if you put it out there? And you know, if someone's going to die as a result, then don't do it. Uh, but if the worst that could happen is that someone might say something a bit nasty to you, then just have a think about whether you think you might just really be a bit thicker skinned and whether you could take that step to say, you know what, it's good enough, I'm going to put it out there. This idea comes from um, a book called uh, The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson, which I recommend if you've not read it. Uh, and it's this idea that actually, you know, if uh, in life you just keep putting things out there and then every day take a step towards making it better, then it's incredible what you can achieve. And if you think that you have to do something phenomenal and perfect, then you'll never actually do it. So take that first step, whatever it is that you've been procrastinating about, take that first step and do something that is good enough and then tomorrow do a little bit more on it and refine it that little bit more, polish it that little bit more, add that little extra bit to it so that you have a sense of moving forward every day rather than a sense of stasis. And I suspect that uh, whatever that was that you had in your mind that was going to go terribly wrong if you put something slightly imperfect into the world isn't going to happen. Try it and see. Mm -hmm.